Hello and welcome back to the Middling Along podcast. My guest today is Jo Mosley, who describes herself as a joy encourager, midlife adventurer and beach cleaner. Jo came to stand up paddleboarding at the age of 51 and has built a reputation as a speaker, magazine contributor and as host of the Joy of Sup, the Paddleboarding Sunshine podcast. In 2019, she became the first woman to paddleboard coast to coast, raising funds for Two Minute Beach Clean and the Wave Project along the way. The film about her journey, entitled Brave Enough, A Journey Home to Joy, has been shown at various festivals. She features in magazines and has also spoken at the Royal Geographical Society and at various Women's Institute events to try and get more women into paddleboarding. And her book, Stand Up Paddleboarding in Great Britain, about beautiful places to paddleboard, has just been released. Welcome along, Jo. Thank you so much. I'm so honoured to be here. Thank you, Emma. You are very, very welcome. So first off, many congratulations on the book launch. Thank you. We'll come back to you later, if that's all right. We'll circle back. Yeah, I have to admit to being more than a little bit selfish inviting you on the podcast Uh, like many others I've been seduced by the images of people serenely paddleboarding in beautiful locations the reality however uh, when I tried it for the first time last summer was was slightly different Um, Mm -hmm. I drank a lot of seawater and so I suppose I'm hoping that chatting to you will kind of help me overcome that voice in my head that tells me I'll never be any good yeah. and yeah I'm wasting my time kind of getting mm. back on a board but yes uh, so that this is me being entirely selfish but if you have what you know if you run a podcast then then I think you're allowed to be a little bit selfish Absolutely. Now and then. Up, to you, up to you who you invite so I'm very honored to be here thank you so you talk on your website about a sort of a moment in time back in 2013 when when you sort of had a bit of teary mm. breakdown in the biscuit aisle of Tesco yeah. what, what what was the, why was that such a critical point for you and kind of where did you go from there I think it was I mean it wasn't the only time I've cried in a supermarket um I think it's literally I think we worked out that it's probably only Lidl and Sainsbury's, but I'm sure there must have been a Sainsbury's at some point. So yes, I was 48. Um, I still am a single mum, but I was a single mum then and the boys were sort of 13 and 16. So you know what that's mm. like. You're just busy, busy, busy. Come home from work, put the tea on and realise about eight o'clock that you still haven't taken your coat off, you know, like that. Both mum and dad were going through chemotherapy. Mum had lymphoma and dad has had breast, bowel and skin cancer. And it just was a moment. I'm sure everybody has Mm. been like this. You're after school and after work and you're all just hangry. You know, you're hungry, you're angry, everybody, you know. And we were just going around Tesco supermarket. I just dropped my bags. We were in the biscuit aisle. I looked at the chocolate hobnobs, burst into tears and thought, <laughs> how did my life get to this? You know, how did I get to be the person that, you know, the you woman were being that... well and truly sandwich generation. Yeah, you? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I thought it was stress. I thought it was being a single mum. I thought it was, you know, both my parents were going through chemo. Mm-hmm. I hadn't, it had not occurred to me that it had anything to do with the menopause. I thought the menopause happened like in your 60s and you had like elastic waistband trousers and maybe a fan. <laughs> you know, I just, this was not something that happened to me. Uh, and, you know, one day I may well wear elastic waistband trousers, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they're very, very comfortable. But it was like out there in, you know, in the distance, 
And I thought it entailed hot flushes. I get cold flushes. So, you know, the whole, I was waiting for a hot flush, never happened. But it was insomnia, anxiety, itchy legs, tinnitus, twitchy eye, headaches, night sweats, heart palpitations. And I just put it down to being stressed. But I know for about two years, I thought I was getting flu. And I used to say to the boys, I think I'm getting flu. I've got a headache and I, I'm quite sweaty, like night sweaty, mm. and but I'm cold and shivery. So I'm going to go to bed early. And then like, the next not morning, again. <laughs> yeah. And then the next morning I was fine. And I was like, oh, that was a quick 24 hour bug. You know, I just kept thinking that I was getting 24 hour mm. bugs for about two years. I didn't realize that it was shivery and cold flushes and headaches had anything to do with the menopause. And mm. and so it all just came upon me. And I think that was the first time I recognized that there was something wrong and I needed to do something about it, that I was not coping. I think that that was the point that I thought I have to do something about this, but I don't know who to tell because obviously mum and dad were both, you know, mm. very much involved in their own problems. And so I told a friend and it was a bit like just sort of waving and saying something's wrong here and I don't know what to do. And I just felt like I just needed to just acknowledge it. And so I guess the, the reason is that I remember that moment was that it was the point at which you hit rock bottom and you think, I've got mm. to do something about it. Whereas prior to that, every time I'd cried, every time I'd been upset, every time I'd flown off the handle because the boys got some paint on the carpet, I just brushed off. I just said, it's... rationalised it away. Yeah, it, it's yeah. just I'm busy. It was annoying. I'm stressed. I just, at this point, thought there is something wrong here. There's something more than just stress. I have no idea what it is. But I probably should just tell somebody just to wave a little flag and say there's something wrong and have you any ideas what it might be? And and my friend gave me an indoor rowing machine and said, look, exercise might help. I don't I don't think any of us thought I don't think she mentioned the menopause at all. I think it was literally over the next couple of years on on Twitter. I just started seeing things about it and thinking, well, that might be what I've I've got. You know, (laughs) I've got the menopause. I didn't realize so you oh so you didn't go and sort of seek help from from your GP at that point no because once I no because I just wasn't joining the dots I mean now people say it's a taboo but eight years ago very few people were talking about it Mm. very few people you know and I was just piecing it together and I didn't go to the GP because I grew up when all those reports many years ago were Mm. associating HRT and breast cancer you know, yeah. I had a, I remember listening to them thinking, oh, I must remember that, you know, when I get Fire to that, that away age. for later. <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 but it was really lodged in my head. And so when I started to piece it together and said, you know, this could be the menopause, you know, I remember reading those lists and going, that's why I've got itchy legs. That's why my bones ache. That's why, um, you know, my I have this tinnitus. That's why even like my teeth felt different. And all I suddenly just looked at this list and went, oh my gosh, that's me. Then I started to think it was a perimenopause and then all those reports came to my head and because my dad had had breast cancer, I wrongly Mm. went, oh, I can't possibly take HRT, you know, breast cancer. So I just dismissed it, you know, having absolutely no foundation of 
um, medical knowledge whatsoever. I self-diagnosed <laughs> that I couldn't take it. Um, you know, hands up, just just said, oh, no, I, I can't possibly, because I remember all those reports years ago saying I couldn't take, you know, you couldn't take it if you had any history of breast cancer. So I self-diagnosed incorrectly and um, just sort of muddled along, really, and found ways to look after myself hmm. until we did some genetic testing, which was actually you're not as high a risk you know you're not a really high up risk you're higher but you're not massively higher risk and then I realized that actually HRT and those reports was wrong but by that point I'd sort of figured stuff out do you know what I mean it was it all <laughs> yeah you kind of threw the worst yeah so how did... I think yeah, yeah. So, so how yeah. did you get from the from the rowing machine to uh to stand up paddle boarding what was <laughs> so I did the rowing when mum died um, a year later, I did a massive um, rowing challenge uh, and we raised £10,000 with gift aid from Macmillan Cancer. I paddled, um, I rowed, sorry, on my rowing machine a million metres and two marathons. Wow. I did it because I just wanted to sleep, you know, literally. I mainly exercise for sleep, really, uh, and joy and sleep. And, <laughs> um, and then I started going back to things I loved, like bodyboarding you know hiking swimming in the sea snorkeling that sort of thing because I realized that exercise was making life a lot lot better Mm. and then in 2016 I fell I slipped injured my knee and my spirits having kind of got myself back together Mm. my spirits just you know were crushed again because I was in so much pain September 2016 I thought right my knee's healing and I'm going to set myself a challenge to do 30 minutes of exercise outside every day, mainly walking. Mm-hmm. And like you, I had been seduced by Instagram and paddleboarding <laughs> pictures. And this 51 year old mother was going to look like, uh, you know, the young women on, on Instagram. And I went for my first paddleboarding lesson. And I just remember standing up and thinking, this is extraordinary. And I love it. And I don't know why I love it. I just, felt so good I felt really strong I felt really confident I felt like I mean don't get me wrong I fell off and all that stuff but the (laughs) moments I did stand up you know the moments I did stand up I just felt like this was something really lovely and I remember we went home and I just the smile on my face and I hadn't smiled for several months you know Mm. like that with the pain and 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 I just thought wow this is just so good so it was an immediate, not everybody, it isn't an immediate reaction for everybody, but for me, it was like, wow, I love it. I love it mm. so much. Did you spend some time getting some lessons and kind of getting into it that way? or? So I'd had this first lesson and there wasn't as many lesson availabilities as yeah. there are now, very much less. And I, so then I went and had another test with a chap where I went to buy my board and then I just pretty much self-taught myself. If I was starting again, and as I've said in my book, you know, I would always say to people, get a few lessons, get a course of lessons, really mm-hmm. get to grips with it. But it was different six years ago. There weren't as many opportunities and there weren't as many opportunities locally. And I didn't take them if they, you know, I didn't know where to go and things. So, yeah. but I would always say now, take a, you know, take a taster, take a few lessons, really get to grips with that the basics of you know getting back on the board and and confidence and standing up 
but I just basically went to the sea where um, my dad lives and just sort of self-taught myself trial and error really <laughs> so um, yeah so and how long did it kind of take you until you were sort of at the the not falling in stage <laughs> um quite quickly because the north sea is cold um very so, motivating <laughs> yeah quite yeah relatively quickly and I paddle you know I wouldn't go out in rough seas and I paddle on the canal which is pretty calm and I had a good board my first board was a good board so that I had that solidity and stability of the board yeah I I just loved it so much whatever was going to happen I was going to keep doing it yeah but that's quite a big leap then from finding your that as a kind of a joyful physical outlet to going, I'm going to paddleboard coast to coast. <laughs> yeah, I have a way of, I have a way of stretching to these goals that just absolutely terrify me. You know, they say never do any, what is it like? if it doesn't terrify you, it's not big enough and all this. And I'm not like that, but I just do know that I set myself goals that then I freak and go, how and why am I setting myself this goal? And I hate myself for doing it. And then I do it. And then I'm like, oh yeah, cool. But I do set myself things that terrify me, but I don't do it intentionally. You know, I don't have a plan to do that. I don't believe in this sort of go big, go home mentality, but I seem to do it to myself. And I really shouldn't because it it's, too stressful I just decided yeah a couple of months afterwards to that I wanted to paddleboard from Liverpool to Leeds but I made a mistake in that I told a few people and their response was that sounds logistically complex it sounds a bit boring and it sounds too difficult for a woman of your age and I was only 51 so instead of going you know oh yeah whatever mate and doing it I listened to what they said and I just thought you know, they're probably right, probably couldn't do it, probably is too difficult. Nobody seemed to want to help me. So I'll just put the dream away. So that's what I did for three years, just ah. put the dream away. So, but didn't put it away, away, but you know, just put it in <laughs> your bottom back drawer. Back burner, yeah. Yeah, back burner. And, and so, yeah, so what What was the impetus then for, for getting it back and, and dusting it off? Two things. One was that my youngest son was going to university. So I've got two sons. My eldest son was doing his master's. Yep. And my youngest son uh, was going, would be going to university in the October. So he was doing his A-levels. And I just thought, you know, I don't want to be that mum who is ringing up all the time saying, what are you having for your tea? <laughs> when are you coming back to do your when washing? When you back? Do you want to do your washing? <laughs> you know, and, and I just thought, I, you know, Joey no mates would be like that <laughs> um, and the other thing more seriously was that in the space of six months I had lost five girlfriends and they were from different areas of my life it wasn't like mm. suddenly the whole group kind of went but I just and they were all really really vibrant women you know in mm. very different women from different areas of my life but vibrant creative interesting women who when you met them in the street, you would be like, oh, I'm really glad I had, you know, I'm really glad I bumped into her today. And one I'd known since I was 17 and, you know, was very close to, and she was incredibly artistic. And and they just, they all lived really creative, authentic, so to speak, lives. They, they were very much themselves. And it just made me realise that, you know, mm. how short, precious life is. As, as I was reading your website, the Mary Oliver 
you yeah. know what do you want to do with your one wild and precious life and <laughs> well I totally sympathize yeah I lost lost a good friend earlier this year and you know it really does it does stop you in your tracks so it I can does. imagine losing losing you know many yeah. like you say in that short space yeah. of time it you know it really does yeah and they weren't all my best friend by any means but there were people I there were women I knew and women I admired and women mm. that I was really glad if I bumped into them in the street or went out for coffee or whatever and you know visited as a close friend and and it just made me think if you have a dream you should just give yourself the chance to try and achieve it you know just get yourself to the start line who knows whether you will but just give yourself the chance and so I thought right I'm going to do that you know I'm going to pull that dream from from three years ago back and this time instead of just going from Liverpool to Leeds I'm going to go a bit further and go coast to coast along to Gaul, so 162 miles and um and I'm the sort of person that dithers 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 procrastinates dithers questions for (laughs) you know three years and then suddenly I make the decision and then there's no turning back unless something really you know goes wrong yeah. And I just talk myself into something, like literally driving along in the car going, yeah, no, yeah. You can yes, do that. So my name's Jim Leslie and I'm going to paddleboard, you know, and I just talk myself into the idea that it's possible. Presumably you'd gotten quite a lot better over the three years as well. Yes, kind yes. Of more confident. Yes, I had. But I still had that thing in my mind of people saying, I'm not sure you can do it. And nobody did say, oh, definitely, yeah, you can. Like my dad was a bit like, Oh, what about the tunnels and what about this and what about that? And nobody was like, yeah, Joe, we think you can do it. In fact, nobody said that. But but <laughs> I started to believe that maybe I could or maybe I just should give myself the chance to try, you know, mm-hmm. just try, just get to the start line. And then I did. And yeah, and, and I managed it. So I was very, very, very lucky. And what um, what were the circumstances that led to to you working with the the filmmaker to make the the film of your journey? Instagram, good old Instagram, good old Instagram. So Instagram had got me into paddleboarding um, in the Lake District, not in Barbados or any you know the Maldives, <laughs> whatever. But um, I had put it out on my social media because I have I have this thing: if you put it out there, then you you know you, you're probably not going to back out. Well, you still can, but you know, <laughs> if it was there or on the screen, and 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 then Frit just messaged and said, "Would you like a a film?" And I was like, "Yeah, no, that's cool, that's great." Thinking that that Frit would be there for like a day, and it'd be mm-hmm. like a YouTube two minute film, and it you know, and it wouldn't be much, but it would be quite nice to put on my Instagram. You know, this was before Reels, but I thought you know that would be nice and. Frit would something get to mark the occasion <laughs> yeah just, it would be lovely it would be a nice little thing and 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 it turned into the film and it turned into a great friendship and and yeah it was way beyond anything I expected um it was you know serendipity really and but I think it was just that whole thing when you put it out into the world sometimes you know stuff comes back that you don't expect so yeah we did it and we made the film and, and then we released the film last year and now it's available to buy or rent and and it was an amazing experience and I just the film's called Brave Enough a Journey Home to Joy and I think that it was just coming back to that joyfulness that I had over the years really you know lost so mm. yeah and did you um did, did it on on your 162 miles where you joined at certain points by other paddle boarders 
Um, no, because I just did not imagine. I know this makes me sound like a really sad person, <laughs> but I just did not imagine anybody would want to join me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it just sounds terrible, doesn't it? Sounds like I'm a really... And like there weren't as remember two thousand and nineteen, not as many people paddleboarded. Mm. I mean, it's it, you kind know, of really um, taken off the last few years. Yeah, 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 not you know the last two three years, it's really taken off. So not I didn't see any other paddleboarder, you know, at all. And I very rarely see paddleboarders on the canal now. I know there are a few more, but not as many. I mean, there weren't any then. Mm. So I just I just wanted to do it, and because I think I was so nervous that I might not do it and so unsure of myself I felt like if I committed to meeting other people that I would let them down Mm. so I just sort of said people would say well can I join you nobody asked to join me on a paddleboard but people did ask to join walking along the towpath and I was like yeah yeah no that'd be really nice if I get to that point you know yeah (laughs) if I make that point you can join me but I never made any major commitments and I never asked anybody to sort of go out of their way because I just didn't want to let people down because I still wasn't sure that I would do it. I just wanted to get to the start line, really. Mm. And and how did you manage the, the logistics? Did you rope well, your, your boys had, in? To... <laughs> yeah, so I had planned, I planned it out and I'd worked out that I could get, a, sounds really sad again, that I would get a taxi from the canal to my like little pub with rooms every day and go back and then Frit joined me and Frit was the filmmaker and I had to make sure that filmmaking was the key not logistical crew but Frit had a van and so we had some days with the van to travel backwards and forwards to the to the hotel which you know pub with rooms not a hotel mm. makes it sound smarter than it was but <laughs> and then in the middle Frit had to go back to London so then I asked the daughter of a friend of mine to pick me up and so she picked me up and I live in the middle bit of the Leeds Liverpool Canal so she picked me up took me home I slept in my own bed she picked me up in the morning took me back to the same point and so we just did it like that because it would take me eight hours to travel what it would take her half an hour to travel in the car you know it's crazy (laughs) crazy and so we just did that for the middle bit and then Frick came back and then yeah, so it worked out really beautifully. But I do remember like ringing taxi services and saying, you know, how much did it cost to collect me from the lease? And they're like, like what? <laughs> and they were literally like, what? And I was like, and I'll have a paddleboard that I'll deflate. And they were like, what? So, yeah, yeah. I just didn't think anybody would be interested in being with me. And um, I didn't want to let anybody down. What did you, your boys think of your adventure? before during and after (laughs) Um, it's quite interesting because before so my youngest son Johnny and I used to go for walks whilst he was doing his A-levels and I would like try and talk about the adventure and he's like mum A-levels A-level revision Um, my (laughs) other son was doing Henry was doing his master's and and you know for for both of them it was just not a big deal it was it was like yeah whatever mum and then I made sure I did it when they were both doing other things. So they were both, Johnny was traveling post day level and Henry was, um, I think he was doing a business course abroad. So I wanted them to know that I was able to create projects and adventures for myself mm-hmm. that did not rely upon them being part of it. I was, it was trying to show them I would be okay. And I talk a lot, a lot about this in the film, you know, yeah. trying, um, 
you know, I wanted them to know I was okay. Um, and I do remember coming through Leeds and we had a little WhatsApp group with my sister and something had happened with Johnny in Europe and he was talking and the four of us were having this WhatsApp thing and Henry was chipping in and Johnny was chipping in and my sister was chipping in and I was standing there on my paddleboard chipping in, you know, <laughs> on my WhatsApp. And then I suddenly looked up and I thought, oh my gosh. And there's this sort of barricade thing on the water, barrier weary kind of thing on the water where, which collects um litter and then stream and then directs mm. you through to the locks and I suddenly looked up and went oh my gosh I've got to go see you bye <laughs> you know <laughs> so you know they were like hey mum how's the paddleboarding they were just like I'm trying to sort this problem out on my trip to Europe so and then at the end I said to them you know I did it and they were like oh that's really cool that's nice <laughs> well you give me some more data for my phone you know <laughs> And actually, that was good. You know, I just wanted it to be a very normal thing for them that I would be okay. I just wanted them to take it in their stride. I didn't want to be the mother that they worried about um, because they had genuinely seen me going through the menopause and had seen me, mm. you know, crushed and broken and crying and, you know, just going right off the handle when something went wrong and you know where are my car keys and bursting into tears so they'd seen all that and I kind of wanted them just to know it's all going to be okay yeah it was after your your kind of coast to coast that you started up your your own podcast yeah so I started my podcast in December 2020 so Johnny had come home for the first lockdown and then he was like mum no way am I staying here for second lockdown. <laughs> you know, he was at uni. He wanted that uni life. And so I was in my second lockdown. And I just thought, you know, podcasts have become really like friends to me. You know, listening mm. to other podcasts, you know, it, it's just lovely, isn't it? You feel like you're... I listen to sort of two two to three genres of podcasts. I listen to adventure podcasts and I li listen to midlife podcasts. <laughs> and they each offer something where I feel like I'm not alone and I felt pretty lonely in lockdown if I if I admit it really yeah so I thought how do you feel not lonely in lockdown oh you start a podcast I mean I could have just read read books you know what I mean or watch films but oh I'll start a podcast about yeah. you like a challenge I think we figured yeah, that no, out <laughs> like, oh god Joe but because I'd got the commission to write the book I also knew that the podcast would help me make contacts and uh, I could ask okay. people about places. Yeah. So there so was, it was a two, good yeah. kind of intertwine the two. Yeah, that they would all work together, really. Um, so I started the podcast on Christmas Eve. I went on all these forums and said, should I launch my podcast on Christmas Eve? And resounding answer was absolutely not. <laughs> you know, that's the stupidest thing you should ever do. But you did it anyway. But I did it anyway. <laughs> and I found that people were at home. You know, people were at home mm. and particularly after Christmas and before New Year, people were at home and and I think we were allowed to do like one little day's travel to see my dad, but generally most people were at home and mm. so people started listening. I mean, I got an amazing guest for my first one and people started listening, so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll try another one. <laughs> so, um, yeah. You got hooked. Yeah. <laughs> tell us a bit more uh, about the book so I did I hadn't realized that you'd you know you were already sort of thinking about gestating the book whilst you were doing the podcast how did you um well I'm quite interested how how did you pitch the idea of the book how did you find that that process yeah it's funny because I have literally just written a pod, uh, 
a blog today for a, an uh, adventure magazine about it mm. and I sent it to my editor just so she could just check it and she's like yes it's you really showed how hard it was for you <laughs> you really laid it on the line um, yeah we don't we don't want everyone sending us their book proposals so I pitched it in the summer of 2020 and I had pitched some books another book idea like two to three years before more of a midlifey one Mm -hmm. and they were like it wasn't this publisher but other publishers were like we don't want to go with the idea but you're quite you've obviously got quite a nice style they were really I really remember they were both both editors that said no said no but said it in such an encouraging way that they didn't (laughs) crush me do you know what I mean and I, I always remember that I'm always incredibly grateful that they didn't crush me and say yeah no you're just rubbish they just said no it doesn't work for us we've got some other midlife books coming out which actually was one of my friends in the end but I didn't know she was writing it <laughs> but but try again you know try again with yeah, something don't give, up. <laughs> don't give up yeah I'm really grateful for that so I pitched the idea and one was like no because we're writing another paddleboarding book I was like oh my god I'm always just late to the party <laughs> And then I pitched it to the to the adventure publishers and they were like, not quite the one that you want to do, but what about this? So we kind of worked it out. And I said, yeah, I could definitely do that. I could definitely write a guidebook. And then I went, I don't know how to do this, you know. <laughs> so I we, we refined it. And then I thought, right, well, definitely after Christmas, you know, I can start traveling. And then we went into lockdown three. Mm. And I'll be honest, Emma, my levels of self-belief were just slipping away. I don't know how anyone else found it in lockdown, but Mm. first lockdown, weather was nice. Johnny was home, working from home, living in a village. You know, we got our food. You know, I shopped once a week. I felt relatively safe. It it was okay. You know, I was actually quite terrified by, Mm. by getting COVID, but other things around it felt okay. But then lockdown two and three, Johnny had gone back to uni. My dad was my bubble, but he was two and a half hours away. And he was like, I don't think you should come. It's a long way. And, you know, all that stuff. Mm. And, then and everyone's back, resilience by that point was totally yeah. had a battering. Yeah. And by that point, my self-belief was just slipping away. My confidence was slipping away. I I just was like, why? Why have I, why have I said that I'll write this book? And then when I couldn't travel in lockdown three, I was just like, oh my gosh. So I launched the podcast and we launched the film and that gave me a lifeline. You know, Mm. it gave me a lifeline to other people. It gave me a reason to talk to people. It gave me a reason to look at the camera, you know, to brush my hair. (laughs) Um, I was with Fritz and we were, you know, I'd work work on my job job and then Fritz and I would work on the film. So it was just my lifeline. And then I started traveling in the May. My first trip to went to Liverpool and then I went to London. And then I just thought you just have to just keep just keep believing that you can do this book and keep talking to people. And Mm -hmm. just like with the with everything else, just take the next step, just take the next step, just take the next step. And and then I just got into it. And how did you um, so how many how many routes? do you cover in the book and how did you choose them yeah so good question so um there are 32 chapters in the book two chapters I already knew so one element was 
a section of the Lee Liverpool Canal, which is obviously mm-hmm. like just such a joy to me. And another is a little village near Whitby where my dad lives, which is where I really learned to be a paddleboarder. So those two I had sussed. Mm-hmm. I knew those two. <laughs> and then it was a case of I bought this massive mat and I put it in the in the kitchen and I just looked at it and thought, right, I want to have a geographical spread. You know, yeah. um, I don't want all coastal. I want inland. So I want some. I want one right in the middle of London, so I can talk about paddleboarding in the middle of London on Regent's Canal. Mm-hmm. I want some more inland one, you know, city ones like Liverpool and Bristol and Exeter and Nottingham. And I want canals and rivers and locks and lakes and estuaries and rivers and salt marshes and docks and the coast. And so I just did this, and then I kept moving, moving bits around, looking at my research, talking to people. And then I just sort of went, right, I think I'm just about sorted <laughs> um, and just hoped for the best, you know, and people were just so lovely. So I would talk to some people and say, right, where I don't know Cornwall, tell me where to go in Cornwall. And they would say, well, you probably don't want to go to this area because um, it's more for su- for surfing or subsurfing. And mm-hmm. so you want to go to rather than the north coast, you want to go to, you know. And so I just asked people all the time. I asked people on my podcast. I asked everybody. I spent hours just talking to people and saying, what do you think? What do you think? And then I just kind of went right. And I trusted the people that were saying to me, you should come here. I rang one author, a lovely chap in Scotland who'd written a book about paddleboarding in Scotland. And I just said, and he said, right, let me go through it with you. You you know, he just shared it with me. He just said, Mm. I think you should go here, here and here. And my criteria was that it were places that could absorb the traffic, so there would be car parking, or you could get there by train. I wanted to try mm-hmm. and do stuff with sort of um, neutral, so to speak, transport, so that public transport could be used. I didn't manage that in Scotland, but I did in England. I didn't want places that, you know, we would disturb the community if there was too many cars. You know, so I had all these criteria. And he was, Matt was amazing. You know, he was absolutely amazing and, and just taught me through bits of Scotland. Every Everybody was amazing. And then I just went out on a limb on a couple of places that other people were a bit <laughs> like, really? But actually they Not turned out to be stunning. Yeah, amazing. every place was amazing. We had, you know, thunderstorms flash floods hurricane not hurricane but you know winds that were just off the scale they they caused a bit of a challenge but it was an amazing opportunity you know when I think back I just was just wish I hadn't doubted myself quite as much as I I did you know yeah so is is there going to be a a Joe Mosley challenge where you see how many people can complete the full the full bingo card (laughs) yeah it's really funny because um you should say that because somebody wrote an amazon review saying we went on a joe sup chat uh, adventure which was really (laughs) sweet and then a couple of people who joined me in the book have been asked to sign people's copies of the book so they're being asked to sign copies which is just really lovely she's just somebody asked me to sign a copy and I was like oh that's so cute (laughs) so um I'm very pro the paddleboarding industry the professional paddleboarders so I in each one I recommended people to go with so I was very much of that opinion that if you don't know the you know because it is aimed at new to experienced but it's not aimed at super experienced Mm. but they might get ideas um, so I recommended people all along and I I went with a mutual friend of ours from um, social media, Sarah Blues, 
who is called the Plus Size Paddler, who encourages women of all sizes and shapes and abilities to get into paddleboarding. She's high, you know, super inspirational. And we we had a great paddleboard in Studland Bay. We had to get up at five to to get on the water and then off the water before the before the wind. But yeah, I met so many wonderful people and saw so many wonderful things. So yeah, sometimes I look at it and think, God, did I really do that? that? <laughs> yeah. So, so what's the next challenge? Dare I ask? Or are you having a break? <laughs> so I've just written another. I'm just doing another book a tips book and then I do genuinely I don't know about you and I you know don't get me wrong my work was not frontline I was not a nurse or a doctor or you know working in the supermarket you know I was not frontline but I do feel like the pandemic and writing the book I just feel not I wouldn't say I'm burnt out but I just do need a bit of a nap you know um <laughs> I think yeah, this, you, you're definitely up. uh well-earned rest yes, at, at yeah. least after all those exertions just take it easy for a little bit and then <laughs> you know have have other dreams but yeah I would like to I don't know just just see my friends a bit more you know when you're writing a book you can get really boring and just really get focused. your head down yeah yeah and yeah and and just sort of see my friends and just just have a bit of a, a bit of a normal a bit of a normal life I feel like we could carry on talking all, all day but, yes I'm um, sorry I haven't gone on no, <laughs> no not at all it's great I, I, I love it but maybe uh as a sort of a closing kind of bookend for for me as as a sort of a one-time attempter and and hopefully I'll get another chance later this summer but do you have any good tips for absolute beginners have a lesson and you know get a lesson and go with somebody that will teach you as you stand up make sure you keep your head up look to the horizon don't look down your head's <laughs> a really heavy part of your body and so the more you look down the, the oh, more likely okay. you're gonna wobble yeah, follow the head up. and yeah yeah and somebody once said to me you don't drive with your head down so don't paddle with your head down so keep your head to the horizon keep keep a relaxed body keep your knees relaxed rather than locked in and Mm. and try not to grip your toes it's so i think i think that was partly my problem is just like panicking yeah (laughs) it happens to me you know, when the waves are a bit bigger, suddenly my toes grip as well. Mm. And just enjoy it. Just keep a real, you know, breathe and just enjoy it. But know that, you know, there is a saying, if you're not getting wetter, you're not getting better. <laughs> That's a, a, a saying in paddleboarding. But just keep enjoying it. I think if you're enjoying it, but a good instructor will will be able to help you sort of find your way up. In, and there's different ways it's, you don't just have to do it one way there are different permutations so yeah. okay. you know just try different ways and try different ways of getting back on the board it's not all just one technique do you know what I mean yeah I think that's the other thing I really struggled with is having rubbish kind of upper body strength and just... yeah so if were you trying to get onto the board coming at it from the side I think so yeah because a, a way that Sarah does um, is They're going to the, the back, yeah. yeah, going to the tail, and then um, she uses a stirrup to to help. But just you know, pulling yourself that way, and that's mm. um, that's a good way too. And once you can do that, I think it adds a sense of confidence because you know that if you fall off, you can get back on. 
yeah. that you then have the confidence just in your body. But a lot of it is just believing that you can do it, just talking to yourself and saying, <laughs> I can do this. I can and do perseverance. This. <laughs> and where did you try it? Oh, gosh. Well, I probably made a big mistake of uh, having a, a my one and only lesson in the sea, I think, yeah. off Tenby. So oh, it, okay. it was a little bit choppy. And yeah. I think, yeah, if I'd done it on a flat, completely flat. Yeah, maybe shelter, a lake or wherever. Yeah. Or so that's, so I'm going to, I'm going to revisit it. I will have another yeah, go. It's, too, it's <laughs> lovely not to try again. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. too, too lovely a thing not to try. And, and yeah, and I hope that a lot of the people that I paddleboarded with, their stories will be really inspiring from the book. Um, it was really important to me that I had these really lovely people in there. Yeah. I'm looking forward to reading it. I've ordered oh, it this morning, and um, I'm hoping it will it will help also give give me that nudge to uh, to to keep at it until yeah. until I'm not getting wetter, just better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until you're just getting better. Yeah, it does take practice, but you know, just keep believing that you can do it. Well, Joe, you're you're a massive inspiration, and thanks oh. so much for sharing your story. And oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, whether whether people listening are, are paddle boarders or would be paddle boarders <laughs> or, or or none of the above, then yeah. I'm sure your story resonates with them. And, and I hope uh, so. I hope yeah. so. I hope it's just you know, you just have to be brave enough to keep taking that next step but also don't self-diagnose yourself you know do get professional <laughs> do, advice do go to your gp yeah. dear listeners. <laughs> you take advice rather than self-diagnosing yourself on the basis of absolutely no knowledge whatsoever <laughs> yeah if it was a different time i might have taken a different decision so well mm. thanks again joe for coming My on and, and chatting to us you've been listening to the middling along podcast do remember to subscribe to be notified when the next episode is live and why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well. I do hope you enjoyed listening today. If you did, I'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed. Hope you can join us next time. Goodbye for now.